from a marketability perspective, I do understand and realize that connectivity matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes connectivity can be love. Sometimes connectivity can be a disdain for you. But regardless, it's what sells, right? Yeah. And that's what those debate shows have really understood. So certain people hate Skip. Certain people love it, but they watch them because of that connectivity, whether it's a love or hate relationship. I think sometimes that even works with athletes. I think that's why Floyd Mayweather was so, made so much money, not just because he was a great talent, but it's because either people loved him or people wanted to pay to watch to see him take that out. But it was that connectivity. So, um, and for me as an athlete or as an agent, it's always trying to figure out ways to create connectivity with the multiple silos of fans that you can connect with in different capacities because that is what increases your value of your brand. Social media is simply a great thing. I say it all the time. It has allowed me to keep up with people whom I went to high school with. My guest on today's episode is a guy who is the star of our high school football team. And now he's a certified NBA agent. And that is the one and only Anthony Johnson. Anthony uh, University of Maryland graduate, as well as a Morgan State University graduate, is also a member of the Renaissance Sports Group. So ladies and gentlemen, he comes on today to share what it's like being an NBA agent, the process and everything that if you're interested in this line of work, you need to understand. Here's my conversation with Anthony Johnson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on today's episode, Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling, I bring on a fellow Baltimore City College Knight. I'm going to tell you, he humble, but he was one of the stars of the football team. Uh, and, you know, he did some damage out there on the field. When, um, we'll get into that story before it's after to finish this introduction. But the one and only Anthony Johnson. Anthony, how you doing, bro? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I needed that stamp. So whenever I do have kids, I, I can play it back so they believe me. <laughs> Look, I'll never forget uh, my first year. So you a year younger than me. My first year, you know, once you graduate. Well, see, I ain't go away to college. So that first game of the season, I was right there. Y'all first home game. And it was oh. me and my boy, Alan. Alan didn't go to City, but, you know, my best friend. So I was like, yo, let's go to this uh, City game. I don't even remember who y'all was playing. And I remember y'all won by a blowout, but I'll never forget. I think forget, it was Lake Clifton. Okay. You was <laughs> you was shaking and baking, and you hit a spin move, and the whole crowd like, <laughs> Now, that was a good game for me, man. I think I had three touchdowns that game. And then he just kept saying, yo, number one is out there killing. I said, Antmo, man. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I appreciate that, man. That's yeah, that was good. Good times. I don't know if I can move like that today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. Don't tell me that. But, um, you know, you play high school football, man. Can you just talk about that experience, especially a school like that? You know, um, Baltimore City College, third oldest high school. You obviously have the City Poly game, which is a big game, a big deal. Um, but can you talk about what it meant? to play high school football, being a sports fan? Man, I think, um, especially particularly at City, you know, obviously you had the City Poly thing that really puts it in a, on a grander stage and it gives you a different perspective. You get to play in an NFL stadium, which you get to 
go in the NFL locker room and those type of things, I think are really cool experiences for any high school um, student athlete. Um, but I also think the tradition is really what kind of sets city apart or well, I would say some high schools in the city had that same or similar traditions, but not to the, to the degree of a city or a poly. Um, I think that tradition is kind of what kind of puts more of a, I would say a uh, pedestal or puts more of a, some pressure on you in some capacity. Um, but I also feel like Baltimore, at least during my time, was different and because we were pre-YouTube to some degree. Like I was the year before YouTube kind of took off. So as far as just getting exposure and getting that visibility, um, it was more of a journey and a process. I was from the area in which era in which I'm making my highlight tape via VHS, not digitally, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that process was a different type of grit or grind even to get that exposure and visibility. But also I think it gave you more of an appreciation for the people who are involved in that process, but also yourself in that journey and that, you know, that it kind of was a humbling experience that whatever opportunity would have come my way, it would have made me more appreciative of it. Was it expensive um, when you, you brought up the pre-YouTube era, pre-digital? Was it really expensive when you was going out there trying to send your highlight tapes to different colleges? Well, I would say yes. Um, so I was fortunate enough that I was a good student as well as an athlete. So I applied all the colleges that I got accepted into, and I got accepted into a lot of them, I sent my highlight tapes to. Okay. So that wasn't free to mail out all of those highlight tapes. Um, uh, I don't remember the cost at the moment, but it wasn't like thousands of dollars and not even maybe not hundreds of dollars before a high school student who's putting that up, who's paying that money and putting it out themselves. It was expensive to me <laughs> um, at that time, at least. Um, Cause I didn't have no, like a really like support or someone giving me as much guidance as it pertains to how to do that. It was me and my mom, obviously who was a, fortunately we was a single parent household. So it was a process of the journey and kind of learning in that process, just through experience. Now, you mentioned one thing, that you was a good student. Um, you would go and go to Maryland. Uh, when did you, like, how was you able to balance football and the work? Because for anybody who don't know, City, like we mentioned earlier, one of the top schools, not just, you know, about the City Poly game, but it's a prestigious school. You have to make sure you maintain a certain average to stay there. So how was you able to balance that? And if I'm not mistaken, weren't you in advance um, – classes as well like IB and pre-IB and stuff? Yeah I was in um, some of several advanced classes at City Advanced Academic I think that's what it was called at that at that time. Now I, I can say I was fortunate enough I'm not gonna say school 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 wasn't hard for me I mean I think I was a pretty good student and I, even I think even pre-City pre College going to Roland Park to some degree helped prepare me for City College to some degree. Um, I think, though, I was always focused and I always took my uh, education seriously. Like, for me, it's funny, I was just having a conversation with one of my friends, and I don't believe I've ever, I never got, a, my first C was when I was in college. Okay. So, like, like C, B, uh, A was good, a B was okay, but for me, like, a, if I'd have got a C, I'd have probably been, like, distraught <laughs> at that point in high school. Um, so, but for me, like, man, I just took my, my academics and education very seriously. Um, and I would have liked to make it professionally being an athlete, but I always knew I wanted to go to college and my mind could be a tool. So I wanted to leverage it in that capacity. Did you have the mindset, I've heard Shannon Sharp said, no, it was Jerry, I think it was Jerry Rice, um, said he told a coach one time that, hey, you're using me 
so I'm going to use you for a free education. So had you gone and played sports, would that have been your mindset, education first, do you think? Uh, that's a great uh, hypothetical question. <laughs> um, I feel like college isn't just about education. Mm-hmm. I think college is about just how you leverage the opportunities that you present within. So whether I'm a student or student athlete, I think I would have been focused on leveraging all the opportunities that presented themselves, whether that been through networking associations, the opportunities of networking as a student athlete and being around those people. My focus would have been leveraging those opportunities from an academic perspective, from a business perspective, and from a networking perspective, holistically. That's how I would have probably approached it. I feel like college is what you make it. Right. Now, when did you know that you wanted to go to Maryland? Um, Merlin was definitely, Merlin definitely was one of my top schools that I wanted to go to. Um, at one point I was kind of considering going away to schools at, um, potentially a friend of mine's B Walker actually, um, yeah, yeah, I played football with him. He was trying to get me to come to Bethune Cookman to play the date to, uh, you know, sunny Florida. And I was really contemplating it. I had, um, then I was a big, actually, from a football perspective, I was a big University of Miami, Florida Gator fan. The only other institution I, pro- I would considered a little bit more than Maryland may have been the University of Miami. Okay. Um, but all the other institutions, the UVAs and a lot of the other, you know, Division One and some of the HBCUs, um, I chose Maryland over them. But the University of Miami was the only school that put me on the wait list. Every other school I just got accepted into. They put me on a wait list, but once I was seeing how much it would have cost to attend that university as essentially as essentially an out-of-state student, how much it would have cost me to, to attend the University of Miami, um, it just ain't make sense financially. And Maryland was offering me some potential academic scholarships, and I felt like it was close enough, but also far enough that it was outside of the city of Baltimore. So it was a win-win in that capacity for me. So um, one of the things that you, um, while you were at University of Maryland, um, well, I shouldn't say one of the things, but you, you would get your bachelor's in sports management, business, and communications. And when did you know, like, that was the route that you wanted to go? Did you automatically know that coming out of high school? Or was it once you got to school? Like, did you have to have that find yourself time as far as what you wanted to do career-wise when you got to college or you already knew? Um. So when I was in college, I knew, I knew, I knew in high school, if I wasn't playing sports professionally, I was going to work in the industry professionally. Um, an agent was something, actually one of my mentors at the time was an agent too. Um, so I got some immediate visibility. I would say more so like a flash mentor. Mm-hmm. I had some visibility from someone that I knew that was tangible, who was an agent in that space. But also um, when I got to University of Maryland, I, I knew at that point, I knew either I was going to be an agent or my goal was even to be an agent or to run a major sports corporation. Um, so even while at the university, I, that's why I consistently, I worked, I interned for the sports marketing program. I was involved with a lot of different sports associations and those type of things because I wanted to really network and get my feet wet and just build as many relationships as I could. So, and even with like going back to my sports management major, the irony of that is it was, it's not actually a major at the University of Maryland. Okay. So the University of Maryland has this thing called the individual studies program um, in which you have the capacity to create your own major. 
Um, so when you're talking about like communication and business, so when I created my own major, I had the, I had the autonomy to kind of make it and mold it how I wanted, but also make it distinctly different than some of the other sports management programs that was in the area. And I actually had to validate that because they could have, I had to like propose it, pitch it right at some 30 page theses and a whole bunch of other stuff just to oh, validate wow. being in this major. You get what I'm saying? So that from early on, I had to be serious about sports, right? <laughs> um, so that kind of also, I think, kind of helped put me on a, more of a steadfast path um, or direction to really working in that, that, that space and taking it a little bit more seriously. Um, but in that program, um, it was a cool experience, man, because it made my major a little bit unique because I was able to pick what I felt like made sense, taking some kinesiology, sports marketing management courses, taking very much business fundamental courses, as well as the communication, the nonverbal, the public speaking, all those things that would give me an academic foundation that would be applicable to where I'm trying to go. All right. Now, does there, is there any time where it mixes with... You, you mentioned um, the communications. Is there any time where it mixes in with journalism at any point during that process? It depends. Do you count social media as journalism? Well, I think you have to now, right? But so, at that, that capacity, time, yes. okay, was there, like, how much was there social media training when you was at Maryland versus, you know, I'm pretty sure now you can have two, three, you can have a major in social media, but, you know, you, at that time, you're, this is pre-Twitter or like Twitter starting to jump off, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, well, Twitter was, but Facebook was already out there. So my training was through my experiences. Okay. So while, while at the University of Maryland, I was working with the sports marketing program. So not only are we doing marketing as far as um, event logistics and in-game announcements and sponsorships and pro in-game promos, I also eventually got promoted from an intern to a marketing coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then as a marketing coordinator, I did the marketing promotion for various sports. So I did the marketing promotion for lacrosse and field hockey at the university. Um, so that wasn't just like creating the events, but that was also creating the Facebook pages for these, creating the content, sharing. So I got some real life experience and I was able to manage social media profiles for division one teams. Mm-hmm. And that was like some, for me, that was some quality experience that I could really take and validate myself moving forward. Yeah. Did you have any um, any cool sports memories that um, happened during the time with the University of Maryland? Like, was there a football game uh, that a big game that um, you may have worked up on or I should say been there when it happened? Like, do you have any type of like any of those type of memories? Yeah, I have plenty, man. Cool thing about being uh, when you were doing like the Maryland sports marketing program is that we're literally courtside. So okay. we're literally like at the court. So I seen all of the JJ Reddix play, all of the Maryland and Duke games before we left to go to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I was there. All of the Maryland and North Carolina games, I was there. So I was there. And even for football, I was fortunate enough to be right there on the sideline. So I knew a lot of the athletes and had some relationships with them. Um, just from one, just being in a frat partying, but also seeing them on the sideline. So it might just be like, hey, I'm giving them a pound saying good luck with the game right yeah. there. Um, but Maryland man had some really good, I remember we ran, I don't think I was in the program at that time. When we rushed the field, when I think Maryland beat University of Miami for football, I remember running on the court before, I think we might've beat Duke at Maryland. It was either Duke or North Carolina running on the court. And that, that was just a fun, if you could bottle that energy up, man, and take it with you and sell it, it would be, 
it's different. Ain't nothing uh, like a college basketball game uh, when it's a big top five, top ten. Because Maryland was good at that time when I was there. They're still they're definitely good now, but they were good at that time as well. There was a national championship, Maryland. It had, I wasn't there when Juan Dixon was there, but I was right. actually there. I I was actually there when the women uh, won too. And okay. that was another thing, like the riots itself. Oh. So the riots when they won the uh, national championship, that was crazy too. Did you get a chance to go to um, the tournaments, like the NCAA tournaments while you were in college? Um, I believe I went to one, but for not for – so the irony is for soccer, because in my role, I worked the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So I, my so that that's something that's that's just on my resume. I was working the NCAA tournaments, the ACC tournaments, because Maryland was hosting some of these other uh, smaller sports, not like the football and basketball. I'm not sure if I went to a. I want to say I went to something at the Verizon Center, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't remember. Okay. Now, when did you decide that you uh, were going to go to graduate school, and what made you choose Morgan State University? Um, being an agent was a, a major driver for me going to grad school to some degree. Um, in my research, well, initially at one point I wanted to be an NBA NFL agent before I became an NBA agent, and not long after that, the NFL the NFL started to add more barriers to entry as it pertains to the agency space. So they now you didn't necessarily need an undergraduate; they made it so you had to have a master's degree in order to even apply to be an agent for the NFL. So I was contemplating law or um, MBA. And my research was, through my research, I just was looking at one, the agent option, but also the heads of like different sports organizations and what was their background. And a lot of them had MBA background. So I was kind of torn whether I wanted to go to law school or whether I wanted to do do the MBA route. And again, what I told you initially was for me, success was either being an agent or the head of a major sports corporation. So I wanted to position myself based off of what I had seen thus far. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with MBA. Now, as far as the institutions, I was kind of, I could say I wanted to some degree to get an HBCU experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I was one of the other institutions that I I didn't go to, but I was contemplating heavily was Hampton like as an undergraduate. But Hampton, their rules were just too much for me. <laughs> like, 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 as undergraduate, like they were like no visitation and everything. And I'm like, Hampton's a great institution. I liked it. What I seen, like, what I heard, the packaging of it. But then I was like, no visitation. The rules were just so strenuous. And then when I got to Maryland, I'm like, I'm get, they're giving me money, and the girls on the same floor as us. It was just a different <laughs> type of perspective. Like, nah, I'm gonna go ahead and just do something. I'm gonna go ahead and stick with this. Mm-hmm. But um. I didn't look into Hampton for MBA. My MBA uh, options were more so, I was really strongly considered Howard, UB, and Morgan. And in full transparency, I don't think I had the GPA to get into one of those programs. I can't remember which, which one it was. But I felt like Morgan was very much open and I met with them and I just really liked the vibe and opportunities they were presenting to me. And once I really got into the program, it was like, it was all love as far as Morgan MBA going to the Black NBA conferences, and they were just doing some things, and they were really trying to rev up their NBA program. And really, like, now it's obviously, they got the new building, they're super fancy now. But they were really trying to rev it up, I think, when I was getting involved. And I think they were more open and more, I guess, 
adamant about, you know, being open to different people coming into the program. And I appreciated that. So I'm glad I chose Morgan. Now you talked about, um, you know, with the uh, process and, you know, being, becoming an agent for people out there who don't know, can you explain to them that process? I'll be straight up. Like I was torn at one time, uh, my guard brother, he had studied sports management at Towson. He ultimately changed his, um, he changed his major to, what was it, um, criminal justice. But he had brought up sports management. So I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, he's four years older than me. So he talked to me about it. And I had thought about it. Ultimately, I remember when I was at community college, uh, one thing you brought up early was about, the, you know, considering law school. And that's what somebody in community college told me, I wanted advisors, but I ultimately went with uh, broadcast communications. But um, for people out there who think you can just find somebody and, and just be like, oh, okay, or I'm your agent, or latch on, lack of a better word, latch on to their best friend who's going up. Can you just talk about the process in becoming an agent and, you know, getting certified? Yeah, man. So all the leagues have their different standard policies, but they're similar, they're parallels. So mm -hmm. all of them are one going to do a background check to some degree. Um, so dep depending on your criminal record, one, you might not be able to qualify um, oh. for any of those leagues, right? Secondly, they're going to now, all of them almost has some type of written examination upon which they're examining you for uh, your knowledge of their collective bargaining agreements. Mm -hmm. um, each league has their own CBA. It's not a one size fits all. Um, thirdly, there's going to be some type of financial uh, payment that you have to put up. It's going to be at least a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars, I believe, across the leagues. Some of them are like twenty five hundred or more. Um, so that's another thing. Uh, lastly, is the academic uh, prerequisite, and that's going to vary by league. The M NFL, I believe, has the highest barrier to entry as far as meaning they they require a master's degree. Mm -hmm. So um and to the, now that just gives you the option to sit on the examination. By the way, um, now it varies by in NBA, NFL. At one point, you didn't need these certifications. Maybe ten years ago, you didn't need a a, a graduate degree or undergraduate degree at all. Mm -hmm. But as more people got involved and it became more popular popularity they found more ways to create more barriers um, because and there was some validity to it because maybe some players were complaining about the agents and the quality of services that they were receiving. So I get that. Um, and I feel like I'm not missing anything else. Also, there's going to be differences in how the examinations are scored. Mm -hmm. um, the NFL might only require you to have a 60 or 70%. The NBA, I believe, requires you to have at least like an 80 or 85 to pass the exam. And they are graded differently. The NFL kind of treats theirs more like a percentile of the group, your testing group. The NBA kind of treats it more like, hey, just a raw score out of 60 questions, you got to get X amount of right, and that's your score. So it's a lot of variance based off of each league. But what I will say, if somebody's really interested, each players association normally has that information. But just understand it's not a one-size-fit-all. But the, the similarities is you're going to have to pay something. You're going to have to pass a background check. You would need some type of academic background as it pertains to um, just sitting on the examination. And more importantly, you got to pass the examination. Now, with the NBA, now they've added another layer, not the NBA itself, but now the NCAA is coming out with their own certification 
for agents, but it's only for basketball players. So that's a whole nother deal that we're dealing with now. Wow. Were you nervous when you took the test? Um, to some degree, yes. Okay. Because I mean, you're, you're basically taking, taking a test for your, what you might believe is your dream position. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and you, you put it's money on the line because you paid to sit in that examination, man. Yeah. But I can say I've taken both, and I personally feel like the MBA exam is a lot more straightforward. And part of it is the structure that contracts and those type of things too that may make it more straightforward. Um, but I, I, I was comfortable. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad it ended. It panned out how it did, um, as it pertains to me being an NBA agent instead of the NFL. Now, do you have to get recertified? Yeah. So, um, one, if you don't have a client within five years, you got you got to get recertified anyway. Okay. Um, but um, not annually. But if you we pay dues mm-hmm. to the play association, I can't remember the top of my head. I think it's like fifteen hundred two thousand dollars we got to pay every year, um, and that number goes up depending on the amount of players you have. I think if you have more than nine players. It's, I think it's 2,000, but if it's more than nine players, it might be, I can't remember what's the tier. I haven't got there yet. It's not my problem at the moment. <laughs> but, um, we pay that annually. And if you don't pay that, um, you don't get, you lose your certification. Okay. And what's it like trying to build that relationship with players? Um, me knowing you the way I do, I know you're not just somebody who's just doing something to be doing it. Like it's passion. You want to show that you care. You want to make sure you take care of, the, you know, your um, clients. So what's question. that? Huh? I said, no question, man. It's definitely something that's important to me personally. Yeah. So like how, and especially during a pandemic now, how are you able to basically sell yourself to them to help them understand? And what are some of the challenges you find during this time? <laughs> Excuse me. So for one, for me, man, because I've been an agent, not that long every each year has been something new right <laughs> so first year i'm trying to get my feet wet then the next year is COVID, where it's a whole new lot dynamic and everybody's kind of chicken with their head cut off um but to answer your question um and let me make sure i understand the question again you said how do i uh recruit players essentially yeah like basically how do you recruit how do you what's your process in trying to get them to understand that you're trustworthy Man, I think for me, I've always been a straight shooter. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to sell you sell you a dream because I feel like it's sexy or it's what you want to hear. So I think that honesty is always um, key. Mm-hmm. And I think players tend to kind of can read the, the, the truth and how you're engaging with them, whether you're selling. And you can still sell and be authentic to who you are. Um, but I think that authenticity and honesty is key. And that's the essence of who I am. But I also think that it's a big in having points of connectivity. So being, um, it's, it shouldn't be the, the, the only thing that differentiates you. You should be able to provide quality work. But I think being able to connect on multiple levels, and particularly as a Black man in a space that's not necessarily dominated by us, um, that can be a point of differentiation because we are, if you are well-versed and you know, a Renaissance man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can wear many hats and talk a lot of different languages. And I think that's added value, at least for me, if you're able to speak those many languages well. Um, so I think that's another point of differentiation, but also point of connectivity, which is ultimately how you recruit. You connect 
Um, and I think you have to not only just be able to have the ability to connect to the players, but the parents or whoever, maybe they're what you, some people call them their gatekeepers, right? Yeah. Sometimes those gatekeepers are their mentors, their trainers, their AAU coaches, um, their collegiate coaches, and so on and so on. So I think for me, I'm just going to be authentically who I am, um, but also be intentional about what I'm conveying, but also be intentional about the vision that I have for them as I'm trying to grow not only just I don't want to just be a transactional relationship but I want something to be intentional about creating a movement to not only for them and their brand but the culture holistically okay now I know you uh renaissance sports group that's the company you work with is like how does that work as far as are you a part of a big team of agents or is it just you? Like, can you like elaborate on it a little bit as much as you so, can? Yeah. So we're like, so we're not a, we're not like a CAA, a super team, a super agency, right? We're a okay. small boutique agency. Now we, I do have a small team of like designers, graphic people, marketing people, and then certain things that we also outsource. Um, and that's to some degree that's by design. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like sometimes when you keep everything in house, it can, limit you to only work into certain types of people's creatives and minds and for me personally as i go through this journey with my clients i not only want to be able to provide quality service but i want to be able to educate them about the processes and give them the autonomy to select and not necessarily always be in a funnel mm-hmm. unless they want to trust you hey man you pick this account when you pick this guy you pick that then cool i think part of the reasons as to why some athletes have consistently gone broke is because they have people, they're trusting people to make the decisions and they don't really understand sometimes how to make the decisions for themselves. So as an agent, I'm going to have the ability and the knowledge to make those decisions if you want me to, but I'm also willing to take you through that process or give you the autonomy to make decisions, but give you very quality options to pick from. So to answer your question, I do have, we have a small team, but it's certain things that we outsource and then outsource and I might give you two or three or one option and give you the autonomy. Let's have a meeting with these people, see what services they provide and what's your thoughts on it and take it from there. But the, the athletes are learning and kind of fostering, we're fostering Renaissance men, which is our goal as an agency too. We're not just, we're not just to getting a check from you. Now, when it comes to, um, you, you brought up like understanding the CBA and everything. Does that change a lot of times how you uh, consume sports, uh, especially when trades happen or, you know, just being a general fan by you knowing how the business works? Does it change how you where like, say, for instance, I'm a Lakers fan. I'll get mad if Anthony Davis leaves the Lakers after, you know, hopefully they win the championship. But you may look at it from a do you look at it from a different point or are you able to separate your fandom from your business mind? Um, that's a tough question. I feel, yes, yes, I can separate my fandom from my business mind. Um, it would probably be harder to do for football because that's my first love, right? Okay. But basketball, I can kind of really keep that business hat and compartmentalize the two. Now, I do get irritated when I hear sometimes fans just blurting out stuff without any context, but also because I'm more of like a, analytical person when it comes to approaching things and having perspectives anyway Mm -hmm. so I don't like generalizations and I feel like sometimes as fans we tend to generalize oh LeBron is the worst oh he's the best whatever without really any context or stats or numbers to support it 
So that irritates me as an agent. Um, <laughs> and, and for me as a fan, to some degree, I'm even like data driven as far as like how I look at certain things. And even, mm-hmm. and that's part of my approach, even as to how not all data driven, but how I pursue certain clients, mm-hmm. how I'm going to approach the construction of their contracts and those type of things is to have some type of data foundation because the reality is that's how scouts are now making decisions too. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to, so you gotta, gotta work in there. Yeah. So you're not a you you under you, I guess to say you're not you don't ignore the saber metrics and all that stuff. Oh uh, no question. Because uh, I know like from a broadcaster standpoint, um, like a lot of my mentors they hate this first take undisputed era of journalism. Uh, shout out to Milton Kent, former writer for the Baltimore Sun now professor at Morgan State. I remember when we was in school and we would be in the, like the um, dean's office and he would walk in to see first take on. <laughs> and he was like, oh, see, this is the problem. And his issue was that when he's trying to teach us the fundamentals of sports writing, understand the, the scores, how to uh, you know, write stats, how to write down, uh, how to tell a story of a game, in the paper, you got these guys on TV just yapping back and forth. So that's what what happened when people come to class. They just wanted to talk sports. They didn't want to learn the actual craft of journalism. So uh, yeah, a lot of um, I guess the old school people don't really like looking at a lot of the debate shows. But from the flip side, I know when I was at ESPN, there was uh, I, I got there. Shortly after Jamie Horowitz left, he's the one who created First Take. At the time, it was Numbers Never Live, which would become his and hers. And then he went to uh, CBS for literally a day, then went to Fox, and then eventually recruited Skip Bayless over. And that's where First um, Undisputed started. So I understood, like, from the business side, that's what's drawing the ratings. First Take was the highest rated and probably still is ESPN's highest rated show. But I also understood, like, the foundation is, you know, because what people fail to realize, a lot of younger people don't know, like, yes, Stephen A. Smith was a journalist. Skip Bayless was a journalist. They covered Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. So, you know, that's why I was always wondering, like, when you're sitting there and you're seeing people going TV, discussing uh, trades and contracts and free agent signing, does it get annoying when you see these conversations and, they, like you said, don't have any context to it? Yeah, for me, it depends on the person. Okay. If I know you're a critical thinker and you ha- really have the ability to, to kind of not blurt out something stupid, it's going <laughs> to irritate me. But if you are one of them people that just, you, I just know you're a do- go hard, die hard fan, mm-hmm. and I'm not really going to put a lot of energy into it because that's 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 your lifestyle. You get what I'm saying? It ain't, it ain't really worth my time. Now, even to your point, though, about the issue with you have with journalism, I think what makes it unique in this day and age is that there's kind of, a piece for everybody. I think there's layers and different types of journalists. And um, from a marketability perspective, I do understand and realize that connectivity matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes connectivity can be love. Sometimes connectivity can be a disdain for you. But regardless, it's what sells, right? Yeah. And that's what those debate shows have really understood. So certain people hate Skip. Certain people love it, but they watch them because of that connectivity, whether it's a love or hate relationship. I think sometimes that even works with athletes. I think that's why Floyd Mayweather was so made so much money, not just because he was a great talent, 
but it's because either people loved him or people wanted to pay to watch to see him take that out. But it was that connectivity. So, um, and for me as an athlete or as an agent, it's always trying to figure out ways to create connectivity with the multiple silos of fans that you can connect with in different capacities because that is what increases your value of your brand. Mm-hmm. Now, sorry if I went on a sorry if I went on a marketing no, side. No, no, no. I love it. <laughs> you know, I love these kind of conversations. Um, it it take me back to something though, because uh, and I I didn't get to the point, and I I should have, but when you talked about um, when you was in college and doing the marketing side, it took me back to the time when I first got to ESPN. Part of my job was to do sales quality control. And with sales quality control was I had to watch. And this was so as a production assistant, you're in a rotation. So my first part of rotation was watching college football games and making sure all of the um, all of the elements ran like from the producer's standpoint. So when you talked about, you know, being on the marketing side, it made me realize like, yeah, making sure like if the Buffalo Wild Wings, the game presented by Buffalo Wild Wings didn't run, if the ads that was paid for didn't run, you know, somebody, the producer would have gotten in trouble because, you know, you just wasted a lot of money, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I always, you know, w- wondered why we don't see a lot of sports journalism sports production and sports marketing cross and even agency cross um you know cross reference more you know what i mean uh because i do think it's an opportunity everybody can learn from somebody you know what i mean you being an agent if you want to get your player on a, a show or a podcast you call up the host hey i got a player this is what i want you to talk to you know what i mean uh-huh. so no, you're I, right you know just <laughs> But I think agencies are starting to cross-reference in other ways, mm-hmm. meaning they're starting to represent at multiple different levels. Okay. So now agencies aren't just representing the players. They're representing the coaches from college. They're representing the analysts, the Jalen Jalen Roses, and those type of people. So they're kind of creating silos of allies indirectly. That in, within, and now they, they're, they're going to start representing some influencers, right? Yeah. So they're creating these different people that can kind of be allies to kind of help promote them in a different way. Have you ever thought about getting into representing broadcasters and um, analysts? I would not be opposed to it. I know league, we, we cannot represent, I believe, NBA coaches. Okay. I believe we can represent college coaches. Um, and that's something I've been looking into, representing some college coaches. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to analysts, uh, and broadcasters and those type of things because I think a lot about in this day and age social media really has changed the dynamics of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even had some conversations not with that, but with our sports sports podcast. As a matter of fact, um, not not necessarily representing them, but as a, us being an agency, but also marketing company doing social media management and marketing for uh, a sports a. Legal sports, what is it called? Uh, can, I don't want to d- disclose the names. I don't know if they want me to put it out there yet. But okay. um, basically, like the the law of sports, sports essentially type mm-hmm. of podcast, really talk about the legal aspects of the industry. Um, so we're, we're going to be doing some marketing for them, and I'm also going to be doing marketing not necessarily for journalists, but for like companies, mm-hmm. like some esports companies I'm going to be working with and those type of things. Um, 
but journalists for sure, I think, man, everybody can be a star nowadays. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like more people know, I don't know if you consider them a journalist, but more people know Joe Buttons, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they know some of the, then uh, who's a great, Kevin Blackstone, who was a Maryland guy. He was a teacher that- Shout out to Kevin, man. He's yeah. done a lot for yeah. so many of my friends who went to Maryland. Shout out to Kelsey Nelson and Jesse and, you know, so many of them who went to Maryland and that's who they talk to that, you know, talk about because he's yeah, a he, He's good dude. I, I met him a couple of times. And pre-COVID, I even had some conversation with him about trying to connect for something mm-hmm. during this period that I'm probably going to reschedule. Um, he's it's always been love as far as whenever we uh, connected with him. He seems like he's really uplifting to the community at the, at, at the University of Maryland as well. Cool. Before I get you out of here, I got to ask you this question, man. Um, the show is called Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling. When was the moment that you broke through the glass ceiling helping you understand, like, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is I'm living my dream and I'm on the right path. Um, I would say, man, the full transparency is uh when I got that congratulations letter from the National Players, National Basketball Players Association. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I had had some issues with the NFL. I didn't initially I didn't pass my NFL exam the first time I took it. And the second time I went through a very complicated appeal process with the arbitrator. So for me, it was in a journey and it was also super refreshing to take the NBA examination. First time taking it, no issues, banged it out with over 80 passing grade. And it was like, okay, now you really, uh, you really control your own destiny. Um, so for me, that was for me like, okay, now, now let's get this. That's really turning up on a tenacity level. Let's get this ball rolling. Um, so that that was that was a very refreshing moment, and it was like confirmation that you're really in the process of you know achieving your goals. Um, for that, for sure, no hands down. Awesome, man. That, that email, that email was one of the best emails I ever received in my life. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> let the people know where they can find you. Um, Facebook. Uh, say Anthony Johnson. I'm on all of the platforms, but Anthony is this Anthony Johnson, maybe Anthony J. Johnson, because I know my name is common. Um, but on Instagram, it's just entrepreneur, A N T R E P R E N E U R. But instead of finding me, man, just check out our Renaissance Sports Group. So it's just R E N Sports Group on Instagram, on Twitter, and Renaissance Sports Group on the other platforms. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you connect with him. Uh, he has all the information you need. And, you know, if he don't have, he's going to make sure he help you. So make sure you connect with Anthony and the Renaissance Sports Group, man. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Tell your, tell your fathers, let's build. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Anthony Johnson. Make sure you follow the Renaissance Sports Group. Next week, I kind of stay behind the scenes 
in the sports business but also move a little bit in front of scenes and that is with my guest miss karita parks karita is the owner of parks pr she has a public relations background and she's also transitioning well i shouldn't say transition she is a journalist as well so i'm really excited for you guys to hear that conversation make sure you check it out make sure if you haven't done so hit the subscribe button folks make sure you subscribe to the podcast let the people know tell your friends about it if this is your first time listening i appreciate it check out some of the previous episodes with my other guests and remember Do not let anyone set up a ceiling that you can't break through. This podcast was recorded and edited by B Waters Productions. The music by Hypno Beats. Make sure you follow him at Hypno underscore Beats with a Z on Instagram.